You're listening to The Bench on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's John Granado and Lance Zerline. Welcome back to The Bench. 713-780-3776. Team Moneyline is in the building trying to get you ready for the rest of your day. A few more hours here with us. It's Josh Jordan. It's Jerry Bowen. And we got Dell hostage. The team left him. Blink twice, Dell. Let us know you're okay. Just hit the one button if you need help. But needing help right here from the uh, Twitch line. People say the Chiefs playing at 22% capacity against the Texans. We're going to get into that as other teams around the NFL are announcing their plans as far as the beginning of the season with or without fans. Here, uh, You guys are killing it this morning. Love the energy and basketball talk. It's the most relevant sport. I mean, we waited a long time. There was a lot of COVID talk on these radios, right? On ours, everyone's. Everyone had to do it because there was nothing to talk. So, obviously, people are, like, thinking right now, man, why are y'all talking about Blazers right now or the Lakers? Because this is what we have. We have sports back. We we have to take advantage of it. And at the end of the day, it connects the dots because those are the teams that we were worried about in, here in this city, the, the Lakers, Portland, or the Bucks on the other side. And if these teams look vulnerable – do they look vulnerable? 713-780-3776 at Moneyline975. If you want to hit us on Twitter, hey, text that same number. Hit us on Twitch because are the Rockets in prime position better than they've ever been, even when they were closer with, with let's say, Paul against the Warriors? It, it, yes, people are going to say, man, if Paul doesn't go down the Rockets. But that's a big if. That's a big, big if. We don't live on ifs. We live on what's known. And what's known is that they couldn't do it whenever the Warriors had their fair sharing injuries a year later. You know, it just what we, we got to go off of knowns. And what we know right now is some teams are struggling. It's early. No, I guess the lack of preparation of, of intensity of the game for the Bucks and the Lakers might play into this. Do I think that the Lakers or the Bucks are going to lose the first round series? No. But it's good to see a little scare. And that's what it is, right? It takes a while to get back in. The, I mean, Dame and the Blazers have been like they win at all costs, you know, for a while now. Now the Lakers are actually playing meaningful games. And our, our caller a little while ago brought up a good point. You know, they, they got to get back in that that playoff mindset. Um, you asked about the Rockets. Is this their their best look at it this year? To me, that depends on Westbrook. How's that quad? You know what I mean? Like, and my other question. Let me throw this at you. After what you saw last night, do you want Russ to play on Thursday, or would you rather baby that quad muscle a few more days and, and give him a little more time? What do you think? Excellent point. Do you, knowing that you uh, you you dominated him, even with not the best game uh, to start, and you still were able to get things going and your shots started falling, do you take that chance with Russ right now and saying, let's get him out there because we know with a player like him, he needs to have be as close to 100% as possible because he's an explosive player. He uses his physical traits. Do you take the chance on him right now, Dell? Do you bring him back right now for this game two? Or you say, hey, 1-1 and then we get him back through game three. If, worst case scenario, we're still in a good spot. Or do you say, hey, we got to risk this and what if he goes back down? You know, you know, it's funny because it's another thing that comes into play when there's a home court advantage. Because if it's – if it, you just won game one at home let's say, if things were normal. Are you bringing Russ back to try to go up 2-0 as opposed to maybe you lose and now you're going to OKC tied at one and they've taken home court advantage back? So you remove even some of that from the equation. I would say if he can play, you, you play him. If, if he tells you he can go, he can go. Now, that is something you have to hope that your player is going to be honest with you about. You have to believe your training staff 
knows if he's not honest, they can determine that, all right, seeing him in even just the pregame warm-up, he's not ready. Because I think we heard yesterday that he's done some light shooting. Mm-hmm. If, if that's still the thing tomorrow or even today, then you don't play him. Because if he's not even able to show you that he can play at an NBA level, sit him until, until you don't have any concerns about him even practicing. I think that's, that'll be determined today. If he gets in a practice and then and they can guess with training that he'll be or at least some therapy he'll be ready to go for tomorrow, then you play him. But we'll, that'll be determined in the next twenty four hours. I agree. Let's go over to the HRP listener line and see what Dustin has to say about the Rockets. What's going on, Dustin? Hey guys. Yeah, I mean to that Westbrook thing. I uh, man, he's such an explosive guy, and uh, I, I really don't think you can bring him back until he's he's like one hundred and ten percent. Because if he's coming back 80%, 90%, I mean, he's kind of a sprinter-type guy, and um, I don't think he can go out there and just kind of kind of play loosely or play, you know, half, you know, kind of get back in the swing of things. It's kind of all or nothing for Russ. But going back to kind of, you know, is the West wide open, that's kind of what I was calling about. You know, I think uh, when we played Golden State, I think that was, uh, you know, if they're not in the way – I firmly believe the Rockets have a championship or two under their belt. Um, and the reason they don't is because it's just a really bad matchup and a team, a, a great team. But I see the three teams in our way right now being Portland, the Lakers, or the Clippers, and, man, those are all just bad matchups for the Rockets. Um, Portland's got a really great backcourt, which obviously gives us trouble. I think, you know, the Lakers are just long, and we have – literally zero rebounding, and I think that in a series, especially a five-game series, can really play out, and uh, and I think the Clippers, man, I think that's the team that we're not talking a lot about. You know, if you can get past L.A. or Portland, I don't know you get past the Clippers. They're still coming in the hottest team, I think, right now, and uh, what makes them so good is not necessarily Kawhi and, and Paul George, but their depth, man, and if I get McLemore and Covington up against you know, their bench, man, I think it gets ugly potentially pretty quick on the bench side. I think our starters can play with their starters. But, you know, so the way the West kind of pans out, man, I I mean, I think the Rockets have a better chance this year than they've had in the past against the Golden State. But it's not by much, man, and it's going to take a lot on Russ and uh, and Harden and, uh, and Paul George. I mean, I'm sorry, and, and Eric Gordon. And, and, and consecutive series, man, and and then you might end up with the Bucks on the other side in the end. I, I it's a it's a lot to ask. I think. Yeah, consistency though. Everything that he says right now. Thanks for the call, Dustin. It's it requires consistency. You want to see this consistent that shot falling if the play or, or the championship aspirations are truly there, not just to to make a run. Now you ask yourself during those times of of the Warriors because a lot of Rockets fans out there have it painted that way. And uh, again, if you want to get in seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six, I don't really had it because you ha- the game has to be played, man. And if you, game seven, anything could happen. And, and you're telling me a bunch of yes, it looked like Chris Paul that that Rockets team was going to go ahead and beat that 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 Warriors team, but you have to 
show me. You can't just tell me, man, I'm seeing it that I think it's going to happen. You have to show me. You have to you have to because then the following time when you got a, a, a hurt Warriors team, you didn't take advantage. But then you saw what what did Toronto do finally to kill that dynasty and not to kill it, but to put it to sleep a little bit, because I do believe the Warriors will be back in some shape, form or fashion. But but they took advantage of an injury. It wasn't nothing. They don't want no asterisks next to it. They, they put up who you want in front of us, whoever you have on your roster. We deal with injuries, too. If we have to, we're going to beat you. That's what it should be. It shouldn't be like, man, what if or a hamstring away. Yes, it happened, but I'm not so sure that that game seven was going to go a certain way. It, you never know. You don't. It's a game seven, man. That you know, All the chips are on the table. But for me, I think this year feels a little different. Like, I don't, Call me crazy, but I feel like James Harden kind of feels like a different dude to me now. I'm, I'm starting to believe. So please, James, don't let me down. But I feel like he's... He seems like a different player to me now, just a little more mature. Like he knows what he's doing in the key moments of the game. And you see them all in basketball games. There's a couple pivotal moments. And to me, I think he's making the right decision more consistently. And I think that's going to lead to better results. Josh, I've never had a bad word to say about you, but mm-hmm. don't let James sucker you in. <laughs> don't don't let him. L- allow James. I feel you if you feel like. Uh, don't you think fu- he's better now than a couple years ago in those key moments of I games? Think- I saw. I just saw last year in Game Six against Golden State him throwing the ball away a couple of times. So that that image is in my head. They threw a soft double or a surprise double, and he wasn't ready for it. Those are the moments I want. He's. Those are the moments I want to see when the team says, "You know what? Maybe we can seal a possession by shocking James with a double in the backcourt." Will he, will he respond with a smart basketball play that doesn't result in him turning the ball over? When those things start to happen, when when I see that consistently through a potential playoff run, I'll be right there with you. I think the fact that we're bringing up the Warriors is so interesting only because they've kind of clouded our judgment on what a traditional one seed is because the Warriors weren't just a one seed. They were this super one, untouchable, um, but we saw last year the one seed out of the East didn't didn't make it. Even when LeBron was the one seed, they, they looked vulnerable. LeBron wasn't even the one seed the final time he made the finals. He was like the four seed. So the Warriors have changed our ways of thinking, just much like the Bulls did, and maybe the Heat with LeBron did before, what a one seed what actually is. The one seed in normal basketball terms, it ain't the Warriors. It's what we're seeing here, and particularly in this new age where you build around your two stars and you kind of gut your roster, particularly for the Lakers when they're looking for their third in Kawhi. It's it's two stars and a bunch of guys. The Bucks are a potential a superstar in Giannis and a star in Middleton that we're not even that sure about, and a bunch of guys. I mean, so yes, it is far more open than it's ever been. So if you're a Rocket fan and you feel like you got a shot, this is probably it's a reasonable thing because there isn't a there isn't a super number one seed there, but they're just regular ones who are who are clearly vulnerable. And when you talk about seeds, what is the really seeding for? Home court advantage. And if there is no home court, then you're saying that that element doesn't get to me. What what is to say that? That that should help you if you're a lower seed playing a higher seed and you don't have to travel to them and say they do have a great home court advantage. That's a big advantage, and that's a little bit more of that door, that, that Rockets door. It's just barely cracked, just a little bit more. And, and all the hardened detractors are going to be like, oh, you hate them in the big moments, right? I feel like there's a little less pressure with, with no fans you know, it just feels like a rec league game or something like that. And James is great in those situations. Exactly. And that's what it seemed like a quiet 
performance yesterday. It was great, but it was quite. He didn't have to do everything because his guys were hitting shots. Lorenzo, we're going to get to you on the other side. He wants to talk Rockets. Stay with us a little bit. 713-780-3776. If you want to get in at Moneyline975 on Twitter, we're talking Rockets. We're talking Astros. We're about to talk Texans here on ESPN 97.5. ESPN 97.5 is more talk and less commercials, which means more sports talk for you. Awesome. That's just sick. However, it does mean less pee time for the hosts. I can't hold it in anymore. Uh, yeah, I'm sure they'll be fine with this. ESPN 97.5. There's a little pee coming out of me right now. Ew. You're listening to The Bench on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's John Granado and Lance Zerline. Welcome back to The Bench. No John, no Lance. It's Josh Jordan, it's Jerry Bowen, it's Dell. We're trying to get you, I guess, situated with the playoff situation in the NBA get you going on these Astros and the situation behind, I guess, the all the injuries and what's expected going forward. And we're going to touch on a little bit of the Texans and training camp in this segment here. But let's go right to the HRMP listener line. Lorenzo still wants to talk Rockets. What's going on? Hey, what's going on, guys? Uh, good morning to everybody. Uh, glad to have you on, uh, taking care of the uh, empty spot. Glad to have you guys. So uh, real quick, um, with the Astros, quick question. Other than it being the Astros, has anybody ever heard of this unwritten rule? I know that across the board, everybody's a little bit confused. These are rules that we've never heard heard of before. And I'm just wondering, I watched a fair amount of baseball, and I've never seen anything about this unwritten rule. So I just maybe you could touch on later, but I just, I'm just really wondering at what percentage is it that it's the Astros that committed this unwritten rule? that we want to jump on. But my point, my purpose of my call is to point out uh, last night the game about why it's emblematical, why the Rockets aren't really having success. There was a point, I think, in the third quarter where James Harden got doubled uh, at the top of the key and passed a uh, no-look behind the other defender's uh, back pass to Austin Rivers that uh, ended up going out of bounds. And James Harden chooses, uh, chooses Austin Rivers out for it. The very next play, um, James Harden's at the top of the key again and sends a wild pass out to Jeff Green that almost goes out of bounds. And to me, I just think that that just is representative of why they're, the, Rockets, the Rockets are having struggle. And I feel like James Harden is the elephant in the room. We get that he's our superstar. We get that, that unfortunately that's where – well, not unfortunately, but we get that that's where our future lies in. But nobody ever calls him on his BS. And maybe, you know, I'm not trying to be a, a James Harden hater. Maybe that's the way that a superstar gets treated. You don't call LeBron out on his BS. You don't call these, per, the, these superstars out on their BS. But I just feel like he's the elephant in the room, and the fact that we don't have anybody who's just going to crunch down on him and say, hey, get your stuff together, get your head back into the game. Maybe that's just how James Harden is, and maybe with a more strict coach, he wouldn't be able to achieve this type of success. He might break down mentally. He doesn't really seem like a mentally strong player in, in general, but I just see all that stuff and then, you know, see the way the, the unit was working without him even on the floor. They were, they were 
functioning highly well with him, without him even on the floor. So I just, I guess, I, you know, I don't really know what my, my summation point is, but I just, I look at James Harden as that's the issue and that's the elephant in the room that nobody really wants to discuss because we don't really have a lot of options outside of it. So I'll hang up. I appreciate you guys again for filling in. Uh, thanks for taking my call. He makes a great point. I agree with him as far as the, the okay, the exact situations that we spoke about, those turnovers Dale talked about earlier. What happens in a late-game situation, okay? Not saying that necessarily a turnover, but say he lets that ball go and makes the right, right basketball play, and those guys miss. Like I mentioned, the weight of that loss is going to come down on the superstar. We say LeBron didn't get it, but LeBron was getting it early in his career when, whenever he was making the right basketball plays, and he wasn't taking those last shots. There was many times when LeBron would get up there take it four or five seconds down in the shot clock, all of a sudden the defense would come up, he, he'd kick it, and then that last shot, brick. And then they're thinking, why didn't you take that shot? We got accustomed to, I guess maybe the superstars of our era, the guys, the Kobe's, the Jordans that you said, man, I'm going to live and die with that guy. Although, if you look at Jordan, the Paxton shot, you know, he he did pass that shot. Now, if Paxton misses that shot or any of those big plays where he did have to shoot, uh, pass it off, and, and someone else hit the shot, those those Robert Ory times when when whenever you know Kobe had to, and it wasn't much with Kobe. And I'm a Kobe guy. He was gonna die with that shot. But there's is occasions that that ball had to go in for it to be a successful story. If it doesn't go in, I don't think we get the same story written the same way. Same thing with Harden. I'm not sure that. When we get to the playoffs, if if he does make that ball, and then you're left with Jeff Green from the corner for the for the three for the win, brick, and then it's going to come down hard, and you got to take that shot or Westbrook, and that's why I like having the change of pace because maybe it is good for a player like Harden to not have to take all the blame because maybe he's not a player that can take all that blame. It, it, it maybe now it lies on on Westbrook's shoulders as well. It does, but. I kind of want to address a few of the thing, a few things that Lorenzo brought up. You know him. You know chewing out Austin Rivers. You know after Harden made a bad pass. Sure. Also, if you talk to Austin Rivers, like nobody talks up James more than Austin Rivers. You know what I mean? Like so he believes in James. So you know maybe they talked about something before that play, and and he you know it, part of it was on him. Maybe it wasn't. The other thing that you brought up with, you know, a pass that's a little bit risky in a, in a, in a game situation. Well, that wasn't the case last night. No. You know what I mean? The, the Rockets were up pretty comfortably. So, you know, that's when you can take some chances and behind the back, no look passes and, you know, and, and take some shots there. And, you know, and, and if it goes out of bounds, it goes out of bounds. You're not going to lose the game because of it. But you might also, the pass might get to him and he might make the shot. That was one of the other things. The other thing he brought up is, is how well they played without James in the lineup last night when James was taking a break for a while. And I, I, it's funny that he brought that up because I was thinking about it last night as it was happening. These defenses plan and scheme you know, for days to what they should do when James is on the court. They don't spend as much time preparing for the Rockets when James is drinking Gatorade. You know what I mean? So when the other guys come in and James is taking a break, that's not something they prepared for as much. So it's easy for you know the Rockets to maybe get some some easy buckets because that's not something that they were focused on. You know they're focused on stopping James. So when he's out of the lineup, it, it changes everybody's assignments a little bit. So you, you can take advantage of those things. And finally, I feel like there's some better shooters around James this year, and I think that's going to help him out. 
How much did uh do you think Chris Paul had to do with the in in house coaching of don't foul on the three? You saw they were really really concentrated on a, don't foul on the three, and they did it well for a while. The first time someone did, the coach coach just throws his hand. He's like, "This is what we were practicing for." You could tell that Chris Paul made sure, like, "Hey, these guys, they learn from Harden. Harden gets fouled on three. Don't do it." Again, it's it's I guess a small sample size. It's it's only thirty four minutes of time for Harden. Whenever Westbrook's out, he usually plays around forty. So. Six minutes left on the legs of a playoff basketball. I guess let's see what's going forward. Can they do it again? I have a feeling that Westbrook's not going to play the set. They're not going to risk him because of the way they won, which I guess that could be – it could be a double-edged sword, I'm going to say, because what if what if they win game two, the Thunder, now it's a series again whenever you can put a hole in them right now, 2-0, and keep it going. It's just, it's just something that you have to play and you have to be careful with because you do not – Want to deal? Well, imagine that Westbrook having the same problems as Paul, and we're already dealing with that. Look at look look at look at how poetry is written. That you leave Paul because during this time you, he's always hurt, and then you get Westbrook, a guy that's been known to be way more durable. And then look where things are now. So it's just thinking, okay, let's be careful here and let's play it safe. And I would say play it safe, even even if the Thunder were to get, win game one or two or three and three, I still believe that the Rockets could take this in six or seven. However it pans out, I believe the Rockets are a better team, and I believe that they'll be a better team if they wait for Westbrook to get 100% or close to. No, I, I agree. I, I would take it slow with Westbrook. I, I don't think I would play. Even if he says he's okay, he's one of those guys where he relies on being explosive. And you know how that goes. You can feel good you know, get, leading up to the game, and then when you go 100% and, and hit the gas – you feel that quad, you know, tighten up on you. So that's what you have to be careful with. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six at Moneyline ninety seven five on Twitter. If you want to reach out and connect with us on Rockets or these Texans, because let's switch gears. JJ Watt on a different kind of plan to manage workload. Workload. I guess this is we knew that it was coming. I, I didn't expect expect him to be full go like the the JJ Watt of old, but. I just don't like coming into a season already so precautious. Yeah, you you require precaution because you see that what's happened as of late with him. But for that kind of money that they may make, he's he's not a guy that that you play precautiously for that kind of money, is it? And, and I know it's JJ Watt. He might as well own half the damn city. But I'm saying he gets paid real money, not precautious money. I just think it's funny that. Hopkins is a problem because he doesn't practice a lot. But with JJ, eh, JJ, you don't need to practice this week. You're you're good to go. Just kind of hang out over there, drink some Gatorade, and and you're all set. And and on the other side, I want to get to this because there's something going on, you know, with Hopkins and you know him w- with Arizona. Like he's not practicing over there. It's funny, JJ not practicing, Hopkins not practicing, but for possibly for different reasons. And I do want to get into that. But the thing with J.J., I'm cool with it, Jerry. I mean, he knows. He'll be ready to go. You know, you don't question it with him. And he's a much older player than Hopkins. I mean, it looks like they're not bringing back Clowney. You know, who else are you counting on on the Texans' defense this year to get any kind of pressure on the quarterback? I mean, it's J.J. or bust. Yeah, no, it is. And to quote O'Brien on when he was asked about it, it's just a different year. We basically have three weeks to the game. These game, these guys have played a lot of football for us and have to do their work. Some days in the weight room, just in the weight room, or some days a lot in the training room or out of practice. Every guy is a little bit unique. Obviously, J.J. has played a ton of football at a very high level. He's on a different kind of plan. And that's what you do with your star players get star treatment, right? 
I mean, that that's just how it works. So I'm fine with it. As long as J.J.'s ready to go week one, I, I'm fine with that. Okay. And this is something we've spoken about before. And if you're out there want to get in on this, 713-780-3776. What kind of year does J.J. have to have, if we're already starting precautiously, what kind of year or numbers does he have to have to deem him getting paid going forward past this year at the money he's going to require? Because I don't see J.J. ever taking a big, big cut. Not at this age. I don't see that happening. He's still... I believe he has football in him, the competitor he is. I'm not sure how how, how reluctant he'll be to, to throw on another helmet, but I feel like that his life for football outside the Texans, there is going to be life. And I'm not sure that if he has a lackluster year, how how crazy is it to say, man, I'm not it's not worth paying him that much money going forward. What do you think? Houston seven one three seven eight oh three seven seven six. Are you willing to pay JJ for a mediocre year going forward? Because he this man makes money and he's not gonna take that big of a pay cut with that name, not yet. Until he declines at another spot, I think that's when it happens. And if O'Brien is known for not giving guys contracts when they when they're asking him, and if you're gonna give JJ one after all this, I don't know about that. 713-780-3776. You're listening to the bench here on ESPN 975. ESPN 97.5. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to The Bench on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's John Granado and Lance Zerline. Welcome back to The Bench. Let's go straight to Twitter. I think O'Brien will pay JJ until the contract expires, but he always practice hard even if, it doesn't, even if he doesn't as much now. Load management, which we're talking during break with Twitch. If all you guys on Twitch, shout out to you. You say if he doesn't play at least around 12 games this year, and you said that there's a, the extension, or what, what is it next year, 15, 17? He's on the books, I think, for about 15 this year and like 17 and a half million next year. So, I mean, that's going to be really tough if, if J.J. can't play at least 12 games this year to pay him 17 and a half next year because his money's going to go to Watson. Let's be honest, guys. Like That extension's going to happen, and that money's going to go to Deshaun. So I want to get into that, and I also want to get into a little bit about you know David Johnson and DeAndre Hopkins because there's some some stuff going on there. But quickly, because we were talking about JJ, we got Nate there on the HRMP listener line. Nate, what you got on JJ Watt for us? Welcome to the show. What's going on, Nate? Nate going and once. If you're a hostage, press two. <laughs> Either way, let's go back to – give us a call again, Nate. We can't hear you. Um, let's go back to this this uh, David Johnson talk uh, because it's – there might – O'Brien backers, the ones that say he was a chess player, not me by any means, but ones that were saying he was a chess player because he, he knew that this pandemic and the rookie situation and look now they got experienced guys. Those guys right now are saying, hey, maybe the right thing happened with Hopkins. Look at Hopkins right now. Some news broke out. Yeah, there's – and look, you know, to be perfectly clear, DeAndre Hopkins has denied this, but pro football talk and even I think uh, John McClain here in town, you know, kind of openly question is DeAndre Hopkins holding out and not holding out in the sense that he's not there, but he's not practicing. And he says, you know, hamstrings bothering him. But we see this with athletes sometimes. And I think it was Mike Florio from pro football talk is like, you know, maybe he's holding out without holding out, because if you show up, you're not going to get fined. 
but you can always blame a you know a, a lingering injury or something like that. So they're wondering is Hopkins kind of sending a message to get his new contract done, which brings me kind of to my question here. I know we're not happy with what the Texans got for DeAndre Hopkins in return, you know, getting an aging running back and a second round pick, you thought you could do better. But I will ask you this. Does it feel like the timing at least might have been right with Hopkins? You know, where they need to pay Deshaun, they had to pay Tunsil, they they want to extend Zach Cunningham. And, you know, Hopkins wanted more money. He's not getting along with O'Brien and he was threatening to hold out with O'Brien and now we're seeing he's not practicing with the Arizona Cardinals. So, you know, trade value aside, and we talked about this in a sports mat video with John and Lance the other day. Go check it out if you want uh, some more information on it. Do you th- do you think like maybe at least timing wise O'Brien made the right call? <sighs> timing. You say timing like the song time after time, right? Time after time. They've done this to you though. The, 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 the Texans, I think you still had a, a bad taste in your mouth from the clowny deal. But I mean, looking at that now, he's not signed. He's not signed. There's something to it, but obviously they're all, or, or rumors were that where they were thinking about bringing him back. Now there is something to him still being out there. Okay. He had there like, what? Two, three sacks last year. But at the same time you think, well, did you still have to pay him when he left? You know, <laughs> like let's figure something out. There's gotta be some kind of better willing and dealing. Yes. You saw the light, but you also paid him, you know, you paid him to follow that light wherever it would let him to. It's hard to say that the right timing, but you knew that taking care of Watson, that's that's the whole objective. You did that by bringing in Tunzo, and you knew that you had to take care of him. But it, I think the connection of taking care of Watson also lies on keeping his number one target, which is something hard to come by. Number one, wideouts, guys that are considered the top overall receiver in the league, that's hard to come by. You, you, you had Andre Johnson in this uniform for a long time, and, and, and some will say he was better than Hopkins. Some say he isn't. I, I, that, it's crazy because it's so much objectivity to that because there's people on both sides of the fence. Some believe that Andre Johnson was a better overall receiver for the Texans. But I'm saying when you had Hopkins in-house, and yes, it was bad timing on his part, but he had to have seen the blocks finding, uh, falling around him and saying, all right, when am I going to get taken care of because Tunzel just got paid. They're still. They they just have to pay. Or they're about to have to pay Watson. If if Deshaun gets paid that big chunk, when does my chunk come? Now, if you look at what the salaries he had left, it was twelve point five million this year, thirteen point five the next year, and then in two thousand twenty two is thirteen point nine. He wants to make around that Julio money. He wants to reset the market some, which is something that hard to come by. It's hard to have the top. Guy is not going to be the top guy anymore, but at the time before Mahomes got the extension, say they would have gave it to Watson, the top quarterback paid, the, one of the top tackles, and then one of the top receivers. That's tough. That puts a that puts a, a I guess a crack in the in what your salary cap can do for the rest of the team. Yeah, it, what's funny too? We talked about it on Moneyline the other day. And guys, if you know if you're enjoying the show, Jerry and I host a show ten to noon every Sunday. It's called Moneyline. Check it out. We talked about this the other day. It feels like the Chiefs have just tons of money falling out of their pockets. They're extending everybody. Where's all this money I coming mean, yeah, from? Yeah, but we talked about it too. It's because Bill O'Brien's paying a kicker like seventeen million dollars for you know contracts and you know overpaying Whitney Merciless. But, you know, back to your point about Hopkins and spending too much, you know, on your wide receiver. I mean, who's been winning Super Bowls lately? You know, it's the Chiefs. It's not just one wide receiver. You know, they got Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins. And, you know, it's not just, you know, Tyree Kill. And then you look at the Patriots. They weren't winning Super Bowls with dominant number one wide receivers when the Eagles won the, the Super Bowl. 
you know, you have Alshon Jeffrey, but he's not like an, an upper, upper tier wide receiver. So I think there is something to it that you usually don't see the teams with that bona fide number one, you know, upper tier wide receiver winning Super Bowls. I mean, you did have Julio Jones getting to a Super Bowl with the Falcons. Maybe that's a bit of an outlier, but they didn't win it. Holding out is the phrase that we've been accustomed to, but at $50,000 a day for holding out, that's what the new CBA hits you for. It's called holding in now because, like you said, it's show up, maybe a little nagging injury. Or if you're in the same position as the Vikings' Dalvin Cook, which he sh- the, the team wants him there, it's their decision. They're doing light workloads right now until negotiations are finished, which makes sense. But look at both sides of the spectrum, one from a player's aspect saying, all right, let's get this deal done. You, you brought me here for a reason, right? You knew that I wanted a deal. You knew what my problem was with the Texans. You brought me here. Let's get this done before the season starts because I play at one speed. You know, you, you don't have to make, worry about me missing games, but I play at one speed. That's what Hopkins got to be thinking. Let me get paid. It's just bad timing again, though, because also not just the trade, the, the money right now, but we don't know what the landscape of football going forward is right. economically. And he wants one of these market-setting uh, contracts. So, you're going to set the market on a receiver you just got, and you don't even know what the income of the team is going to generate the, yeah. in football, period. And we the salary cap's going down next year. What if there is no football and you sign them? You know what I mean? What if what if there is no football and the team brings in, you know, absolutely basically nothing, and then you just sign him to, to a record-breaking market-setting contract, but at the same time you know that he's under contract for a few years. So you say— well, let's, yeah. let's do what the Texans should have done. The cards are in our favor, and let's play this right. And I think that's what's going on here because it's just a bad timing. You said the timing with the Rockets, uh, with the with the Texans, timing with the, with the Cardinals because at this point it's it's tough to just empty the wallet on, on anyone with these times economically that we're living. Yeah, because you know with Hopkins, he's under contract. You know he's not going to retire. You know he wants more money, but it's funny that he does have this leverage. I mean he can you know, play this hamstring as as long as he wants to and not practice. I mean, didn't Kawhi Leonard basically force himself out at San Antonio, you know, blaming an injury that San Antonio is like, we don't really see anything wrong with you. Players have some leverage in that respect. Let's give Nate some leverage here on Moneyline as we fill in for the bench. Nate, you want to talk J.J. Watt? What's going on? Yeah, I want to talk J.J. Watt, man. I love him with all my heart. But for the money he's making, man, for the for the for the past three years, how many sacks have he have he gotten for the past three years? Not worth it. At the beginning, it looked like our our head coach is making me feel some type of way. It's, just, it's like he's he's looking real racist right now, man. I don't know no other way to put it, but we got we got to call it what it is. He's looking real suspect right now. JJ Watt, loving, but what has he done for us lately? What has he done, man? I mean, I'm 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 done. Go ahead, do your thing. Yeah, it's 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 what have you done lately for me? That's that's not just the league, but but life. You know, that's just you tend to remember what that bad that taste in your mouth is, and the taste in your mouth right now from what is eight games played last season, sixteen before that, but then you had a five and a three piece in there. So you ask yourself at this money that he commands, that's superstar money. When you look, and I'm not saying he's not when he's fully healthy and he's a go, and I think that that's why the the rope with him is so long. Right, like the 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 string that he could pull because he's done so much, and you saw him without injuries. We might be talking to him as the most dominant and a, a defensive player ever. You know, we were they were comparing Lawrence Taylor and whatnot. 
I mean, look, that's fair. And you say, what has he done lately? Well, yeah, he was hurt last year. You know, we know that. And the year before that, he had a good season. But the two years before that, he was hurt. But let's just focus on the playoffs. He had that huge play where he, he rushed back early in the Bills game. He had that huge sack that swung that game. But then the game after that, he was pretty much a no-show against the Chiefs. But that's to be expected. He hadn't been playing. You know, his legs were shot after the Bills game, and he didn't do much against the Chiefs. But we talk about, you know, I'm not going to put that on on Bill O'Brien as far as, you know, favoritism because, you know, J.J. Watt's a white guy, you know, or anything like that. I don't think that's the case because if we look at the money, J.J.'s actually a, a decent bargain for a superstar defensive player. You know, he's making $15 million this year, 17 next year. I mean, Khalil Mack is, you know, he's making like $26 million this year. You know, and next year, Khalil Mack's making $26 million again. I mean, he's making like $10 million more a year than J.J. So it's – J.J.'s not as overpaid as you think if you look at some of the other defensive contracts. By no means do we expect the 20-and-a-half sack seasons, not even the 17-half sack seasons, but – where do you need him to be? According, like the caller said, what have you done for me lately? When this season's over, if he played 13, 14, let's not even give him that much. 12 games and eight sacks, nine sacks. Is that enough? Is that enough to bring him back for that 17 million when you know you have to pay Watson? What do you think? Houston 713-780-3776. Do you feel that this is timing because timing's coming up. The timing right now, it's going to set you back for a little bit because you have to get Watson paid. You have to get him paid at this point. You have to. So is timing wrong? Because timing was wrong for uh, Hopkins, obviously. Is timing going to be up? Is time on what side? We're going to find that out this season. Stay with us. You're listening to The Bench here on ESPN 97.5. This is Heisman's Trophy winner and College Hall of Fame, Billy Sims. And you're listening to ESPN 97.5. You're listening to The Bench on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 97.5.com. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's John Granado and Lance Zerline. Welcome back to the bench. Team Moneyline is filling in on a beautiful morning. 713-780-3776 at Moneyline975 is where you can find us on Twitter. Let's switch gears a little bit and loosen this up. We've been super sportsy. Someone on Twitter that uh, is is always on there, I guess, because I saw someone locally type in something about, to the lines of, of KD coming back to Houston and he didn't even tag KD, and somehow KD's on that post. And I'm thinking, does he just get on Twitter and just search Kevin Durant, KD, any alternatives to, and see what pops up? Because he even admits to it. And now he says that he will not quit indulging, uh, indulging in the effery. <laughs> I guess that's one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and he's not going to quit it. And, and if you look at it, it's just he's so involved. Can't, and I know it's talked about a lot on a lot of our shows, but how does a superstar of that caliber, how is he so invested in, into what people think, especially on Twitter, to where he has these burner accounts and whatnot, and now he's telling you, hey, I don't care. Yeah, it's not really affecting any part of my life, but at some moments I don't mind indulging in the effery. Should I be doing it? I believe so, laughing out loud. Maybe he just likes you know, having fun messing with people and – Let's face it, there's not a lot of places to go right now. People don't exactly have a lot to do. 
This guy, he also says, uh, Durant says, it's why I still have Twitter. They want me to act professional on the Internet. No, I won't. And then people, you know, they're going to dig up some old, old tweets. Going back to 2011, yeah, being professional is not what he's doing. He has uh, Erica Badu thicker than a kinder- kindergarten pencil. <laughs> Shout out to Erica Badu. Uh, Scarlett Johansson, I'll drink your bath water. Oh, that's the kind of thing. I remember that one. That's the kind of things that uh, you're not going to drink that bath water. <laughs> No, Jerry, I'm not drinking the bathwater. Okay, we've, we've been through this. Maybe before. it's just me. It's Scarlett Johansson. You drinking the bathwater of any of any? I mean, name your favorite, your, your, the, the the best woman in the world to you right now, and you're not drinking any bathwater. I take issue with a woman just randomly taking baths. Like if you if that's your daily thing, I got a problem with. You. If you do it like once because oh, I just want to luxuriate. Okay, I get it. You want to set some candles, but if you're just taking baths and boiling in your own stew, I'm out. You're not clean. <laughs> that's not clean. How can that be clean? Explain to someone. Explain to me how that's a clean thing to do. And what about like, like hotels? Like when they have like the, the really nice jacuzzi or you know the nice bathtub in the hotel, and you're thinking you're there with your girl, and you're like, oh, we're gonna have some fun. But then you think like all the other people and what they've done in that thing. Whose yeah. ass cheeks were right <laughs> yeah. here? You have to assume, or at least you have to at least rationalize in your mind that the hotel did a great job of cleaning that that um, mm. that bathtub. But even then, <laughs> if you've been say you got off a flight. You've been flying all day. You're you're, you're living in uh. We live here, the one of the one of the most humid places in the world. Whatever you got on the flight, fine. You've been in air conditioning, and then you get to, say you did it in see you flew to Vegas. You got you're gonna you're going to believe that you're clean after stewing in a bath. That's no way you're clean unless you get up and rinse yourself off. Baths are ridiculous. Yeah, you are just kind of lying in your own filth. Yeah, I fine. That that's the whole thing where you want to be. Light some candles and put some whatever, so a bath bomb, I guess that's what women do sometimes, and feel special, do it. But as, as long as you shower after the bath. If you just get a bath out of the bath, you're still dirty. Still dirty. Turn off the Sade and then just – but you got to jump back in the shower. Yeah, rinse that's yourself off. That's fine. It's dirty. You can't, you can't tell me it's not. He's not wrong. I'm just saying. And he's – man, and especially at the hotels, if you're just – <laughs> laying in that hotel i know oh. every one of us that had, maybe at one point or another had to stay in a, at a motel the one that starts with an m you know and yeah. those are the yes. ones that whew, hopefully it doesn't have a sixer in front of it because the, you know what comes with those and man i've been in one time uh my wife and i we went down to galveston and, and i mean it wasn't a cheap hotel motel and we we paid for it everything it was like a it was some holiday weekend man as soon as we went in the opened up the bathtub there was roaches still there you know and it's like oh yeah the the water faucets were pretty much like rusty, you know, and you're thinking, I paid over 200 bucks for this. It's it's bad when any hotel, especially those motels, though, you, you don't even want to lay on on those pillows. It's just it's just a bad situation. Oh, no. And the bedspreads are the worst, man. They, they tell you the first thing to do, just take that bedspread and throw it on the ground because those are the things they don't wash. Did you know that? That the bedspreads, they don't wash them. Even worse, though. You have to really wonder about the hourly ones. If you ever have to stay past hourly and then... You're staying there? No, hey, the PI, everyone uh, famous around the Houston area, a.k.a. the, the, the Palace Inn. Palace Inn, man. Uh, see, yes. you knew it. Yes. Don't you sinner you. Either way it goes, if you're out there and the Palace Inn is close to your heart, then I know what you were doing. You were sinning as well by the hour. Um, the Palace Inn has never been close. I've The things I've experienced, a friend told me he's experienced at the Palace Inn. Uh, let's get let's get past this Palace Inn. Let's go to Eric Wong here, uh, 713-780-3776 if you want to get in. Eric, you're on the bench. 
Uh, yes, sir. I was just calling. Uh, let's talk about a real team, the Cowboys. Do you think they're going to get snacked Harrison since McCoy's out? And do y'all miss Jennifer Reyna's big booty on Channel 2? <laughs> the bath water I might drink? <laughs> no, no, no. Just, um, let's get about these Cowboys. Yeah, that injury, man. It, it, I was I was excited, and I am still am. Not that, that, that he was one of the reasons I'm more excited about the offensive side of the ball than I am the defensive side, but to see them get those pieces, they're getting Don Terry Poe back, uh, they're getting them in the lineup. It's just, it's just. I thought that I had big expectations for that defensive line. Now going back to the way they uh, they the clauses in the contract and the, the way they were able to, I guess, cut him, and he still gets a little bit. I don't want to hear anybody ever talking about jumping in these players' pockets when they're negotiating because look what happens. And not to say that it's not deservedly so uh, somewhat that, that, the, that the Cowboys don't have a right to be off the hook some, but that's why these players got to get paid because when something like this happens, they got those clauses, which they knew it was a specific clause for that injury. Here we are. They get off them. Now some think that there's a, some kind of maybe silent handshake that says, hey, just let's get better and let's circle around next year around this time and we'll do it again. But you, the last thing you want to do is have handshakes in the NFL for deals. You can't even get them inked nowadays, much less handshakes. So being in the predicament he's in right now, uh, he's got to feel down on himself, man. But it's, a, I think, what, $3 million he's still made out with? Yeah. And, I mean, this stuff happens, right? And, yeah, you don't want to have to worry about Jerry Jones living up to that handshake deal. But I, you know what did occur to me, though, is, you know, I know Clowney's, you know, more of an edge guy. But remember, Clowney said he listed the two teams he wanted to play for, which was the Saints and the Cowboys. And, you know, now the Cowboys have an injury on their defensive line. I know it's not exactly the same position, like I said, but, you know, you wonder if th- that might be a spot for Clowney. We know he wants to play there. I don't know if – it sounds like Clowney still wants a lot of money, so it's probably not going to happen. But – I mean, stranger things have happened. Let, let's be real. And, you know, we talked about this the other day about, you know, we're seeing the Texans renegotiating some deals and clearing some cap space. And the common thought is they're doing that for a Watson extension and to try and, you know, bring back Zach Cunningham, extend him. But, you know, we're also hearing that maybe the Texans and Clowney have been in contact again recently. And I don't know about you. I would love to see that, man. And we'll see if, you know, I don't think Bill O'Brien's gonna do it pride yeah pride i think we talked about that on the show the other day i think pride will get in the way but man that would be such a big deal to bring Clowney back man we talked about jj last segment and you know how many games do you feel good that he'll play this year i mean Clowney would come in and immediately be you know like at least your your second best player on defense and they need pass rushing you know i like whitney merciless but you know, he went through a stretch last year where he was not putting up numbers. He was not getting pressure on the quarterback. I would love to see them reach out to Clowney, see if it's a possibility. At this one with injuries, and uh, so we, we talked about the offseason, and, 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 and I think the scare behind players, like DJ Reader, for example, just having players like that, just you need someone to fill these holes that aren't there anymore, but you didn't let go of a player like that because you couldn't pay him and then give Clowney the money that he wants now that no other team wants to get him after you let him go. It just, I think pride comes into play. We always know that pride holds back, I think, O'Brien and the Texans holding back the wheels that, that make Deshaun Watson go. Pride, pride, pride. And I think that it'll take a lot of a prideful swallowing, you know, swallowing that pride for O'Brien to say, you know what? 
said, Avion, we want you back on this team. You're a fall guy. You know, let's let's make amends. I just don't see that happening. It would have to be Clowney coming with his tail tucked in between his legs and saying, you know what? I'm willing to make a, take a cut and get back on this team. I don't see either of those guys swallowing their pride by the way things went down. If you see it that way, 713-780-3776. we got two hours to go here on the bench. It's Moneyline filling in ESPN 97.5. To call into the HRP listener line, dial 713 780 ESPN. Dial the phone. Looking to outsource your company's HR and payroll? Get the top initiative and smart solutions with HRP.net. 